From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to those tuning into this radio program on one of our affiliate stations across North America. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Joshua P. Warren is standing by to discuss parasymatics and sigils. But before we get started, a couple of quick announcements. For those Patreon supporters in the Star Chamber and Whistleblower tiers, you're eligible for the exclusive monthly online chat with me, and that's happening tomorrow night, starting at 8 p.m. That's Monday, April the 29th, the online chat for the Whistleblower patrons on our Discord channel, and Star Chamber patrons, the Google Hangout with me starts at 8.30 Eastern Daylight Time. Ryan White, my producer, would have sent you a link by now, so hope to see you all there. One final note. Our April winner of Strange Planet Merchandise is Trevor Chapman of Brampton, Ontario. Trevor, you've won a copy of my Strange Planet Volume 2 CD, and that'll go out in the post this week. Congratulations. And you can become eligible for the monthly merch draws and the exclusive monthly online chats with me by going to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Consider becoming an official patron. Joshua P. Warren is here to discuss his new field of research called parasymatics and how his groundbreaking experiments led him to discover a method to create paranormal activity. Joshua has spent 20 years breaking ground in the paranormal. He began publishing at age 15. At age 25, Simon & Schuster published his book, How to Hunt Ghosts, now widely considered a classic in the field. In 2004, he made the cover of the science journal Electric Spacecraft, for his work on the mysterious Brown Mountain Lights. He's the founder of Lemur Paranormal and the Asheville Mystery Museum. Joshua P. Warren, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back, Richard. Uh, it's funny because every time we talk, it's almost like we, we are never going to have enough time. So many new things are happening in the world. It's an exciting time. Well, that's the sign of a very busy man, namely you, and you have we have so much to cram in, as you say, because so much is happening. First of all, I just want to mention, have you permanently relocated to Las Vegas? Because, I mean, you still have the museum in Asheville, right? I do. Well, I have my museum there, my laboratory. All my friends and family are primarily there. I mean, you know, Asheville is my home. So what I do is just sort of travel back and forth. And at this point, aside from special engagements and being in the field, I consider these my two homes. So I'm uh, I'm always sort of dividing my time between the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, talking about laboratories, Las Vegas, the desert, the Southwest, I mean, that's quite a laboratory for a paranormal investigator. Investigator. Oh, it is. And in fact, uh, I'm in the process of building a new laboratory out here, which I don't want to be, um, you know, too ambitious and, and predicting when it'll be finished, but uh, maybe next year. And I love this desert climate. For one thing, the air is so dry. The electrostatic experiments that I do are just amazing. I mean, the, the lightning bolts and the various EM measurements that you can get here are, are very distinctive, but also so 
there's just a lot of natural wonder, and you have all of this UFO activity, and it seems like every month there's some kind of new UFO story breaking here. So it's a cool time to be here in the uh, Area 51 neck of the woods. Now, you are the inventor of something called parasymatics, and now you've sort of updated that. You have a newer version. You call it Parasymatics 2.0. But let's, for those not familiar with Parasymatics, just take a few moments and explain what it is. Sure. Well, you know, I became fascinated years ago by how sometimes you would find some kind of a haunted object or possessed doll. For example, Robert the Haunted Doll down in Key West. And you would locate some kind of a, a strange symbol on that object. Uh, and of course, since I have a museum, I'm always looking for interesting sort of spooky possessed possessions. And I noticed in particular Robert the Haunted Doll had this symbol that would only appear under UV light. And the story was always that he had been created by somebody with expertise in magic and rituals. And later I noticed that this little symbol, what a lot of people might call a magical sigil, look very similar to some of the patterns that you can create using a technique called cymatics. And basically, this goes all the way back to the 1700s. There was a, a German scientist named Ernst Schladny who would sprinkle sand over these thin sheets of metal, and then he would run a violin bow down the side. And uh, it would create these patterns that look like snowflakes. These, you know, and of course, nowadays we do this all the time using audio speakers. We create these amazing sort of shapes in water and various sort of semi-liquid substances. And it shows us that you can create a vibration which transforms into shape. And so I wondered, hmm, what happens if you actually take something like water and you play a tone, and when you play that tone, you get the shape, but then you speak into that tone some kind of an intention, and you get a snapshot of that, whatever symbol, if you will, that Mother Nature creates. So, for example, in my business, you might say, I want to attract a ghost, or I want to see a UFO or I want to have more vivid dreams, or, I mean, you could use it for anything. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't have to be just spooky stuff. You know, I, I would like to have more money in my life or a better relationship or whatever. And then when this shape appears, you, you photograph it under different conditions, infrared light, ultraviolet light, different kinds of laser lights. Print that symbol out and just meditate on it or sort of keep it around you throughout the day and see what happens. So I made a bunch of these symbols this way, which I call parasymatics, because this was originally called the cymatics technique, so parasymatics. And basically, I put these on the internet for free. I put them on my website. And since then, and this has been probably about maybe three years ago, I have gotten thousands of emails from people telling me about amazing things that have happened to them using this technique. So that was the basic parasymatics technique. If you go to my website, you can still find all these symbols you can experiment with. But here, Richard, is where it moves into the brand new territory called Parasymatics 2.0. I was essentially in parasymatics trying to take tones and turn them into images and so I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I could reverse this process and turn images into tones? So in other words, I might be able to take something like a crop circle or the pattern created by Stonehenge 
or the design of the Great Pyramids or even something like a $100 bill, which is some iconic symbol that we all have in mind. What if I could take one of these images and reverse it? You can see right off the bat how valuable that would be and how interesting that would be, I'm sure. Right, Richard? Yes, but just help me out here. I'm trying to understand. So you're not saying that the pyramid emits sound. You're taking a picture, so it's the opposite of what you were doing before. Let's take the example of a $100 bill, because I like money. How does this work now? Take the $100 bill, and how does that image then translate into a sound? What I finally figured out, and this is at least where I am right now in the infancy of this very new type of research, I can take a picture of anything in the whole universe, which is that's one of the great things because I'll, I'll never be able to go to Mars. I don't think I would go to Mars if I could, to be honest with you, but I can take a picture of Mars and I can put it into my Parasymatics 2.0 system. But if we take something that's really nice iconic symbol that represents at least to us abundance here in this country, we take a $100 bill. Basically, there are two different ways you can do it. Uh, you want to oscillate this $100 bill or spin it or move it in some way. Um, and when you're moving this image, it creates its own kind of um, sort of blurry uh, circular shape. And then you hit that with a laser. And you scan the thing with a laser almost like it's a record. And the record is being scanned by the laser in the same way that the needle would scan a traditional record. So as this image is being scanned like a record, that laser then feeds into a special photoreceptive diode that takes the light from that laser and turns it into a sound, a pulse of sound. And those pulses of sound go into a computer. And so right there in real time, I'm able to record the sound that's coming off of the object, and I'm able to see what pattern it's creating. And then I can take that, if I want, and feed it back into my original parasymatic system to create a sigil. So what you end up with is any image out there in the whole wide world that can be not only transformed into a sigil, but also a tone. So in other words, you could now listen to the sound of a $100 bill and have a sigil that represents the $100 bill. So essentially, Richard, the idea here, and I don't know if this is the, the talk of a madman or not, but the idea is that what if every type of image out there has some some kind of deeper coded message within it uh, in the same way that you know we, we look at something like a crop circle for example and we say is there something we're missing here because if you look at sheet music for example if you were if you're an alien and you look at some of Beethoven's sheet music well th this is just a bunch of dots on, on paper you know you don't hear anything you have to know how to scan it so I'm trying to scan images like this in order to get these tones that might be around us encoded within nature now, uh, you're talking about a photograph of an image. So, I mean, how does, because they're all then two-dimensional images, how does the laser sort of differentiate a two-dimensional image of a, a pyramid with a two-dimensional image of, let's say, a $100 bill? 
Well, the image, of course, is the, the biggest issue of all because this is partially art and partially science. And the reason I say this is because my big challenge whenever I'm going to try to scan something, uh, and it's a little easier if you have something like a $100 bill because it is already a two-dimensional image, but if you have something like the pyramids, well, there are many different perspectives that you could take on the pyramids. So what is the correct perspective? Do you want to show a picture of them from overhead or from standing far below or 50 miles away? So this is the thing that makes this especially sort of complex. It starts with with me having to choose a, a good representative image. So this is immediately a subjective process right off the bat. And then I take that image and then I scan it and everyone has its own unique, I mean absolutely unique identity because no two pictures are, you know, identical. So you're going to find something like, a, you know, a DNA helix sounds a certain way. Uh, hieroglyphs from the Book of the Dead sound a certain way. And so the artistic part of this is selecting the image and then the scientific part is extracting the tone from that image. But I'd like to see if there might come a, a day when we can do this more three-dimensionally by using models or possibly even something like uh, holograms. Okay, so the the $100 bill uh, sigil, for example, mm-hmm. uh, let's say you're hearing... Now, does it work either way? Do you do you hear the tone? Is it the tone that works its wonders, or is it the the um, the sigil form of the one hundred dollar bill, or is it the audio form of the one hundred dollar bill? Well, since this is all experimental, uh, I, I think it's nice to look at the different options because, for example, I have a friend who is a paranormal investigator, and he got really excited when he learned about this because he said, I want to send you a picture I took of a ghost. He says, a really good full-bodied apparition picture I took. He said, I want you to extract the tone from that, send that tone to me, and then when I go out in the field to investigate, I'm going to play that tone in the room where I'm investigating to see if that stirs up you know, something in the room. So in that case, the tone would be very, very valuable. However, if you want something like the $100 bill, you know, I guess you could sit around and meditate on the tone that's created by a $100 bill or have it playing in the background in your house. But the easiest thing would be to take the sigil from the $100 bill, uh, which is very easily available uh, on my website. And if you take that sigil... Uh, maybe you'll have the luck that I did. Look, all this, all this stuff, uh, I get it. I can tell you about my experiences and the experiences of other people. I, because I'm in Las Vegas right now, I have a tendency to try to break down some of this stuff in terms of gambling. Because, you know, it just, it's an easy way of explaining probabilities. Um, because in, in, a, in a casino environment, Everything has a certain probability. This is supposed to happen. This is not supposed to happen. So I took the $100 bill sigil, and uh, I was actually on my way to the airport. Even here in Vegas, even the airport has slot machines all over it. And so I, I, this is the very first time I'd taken the $100 bill sigil. And 
I put it right there in my wallet. You could put it anywhere. And as soon as I got to my gate, I had some time to kill. So I went over to a slot machine. I put $20 in the slot machine. I bet $1, nothing happened. I bet $2, and then, boom, I hit $1,700. Hmm. The lady who was attending the machines said to me that was the most money she has. She said, I've been doing this job for two years. She said, this is the most money I've ever seen anybody win off of a $1 bet because the maximum on that machine was like four or five bucks. So that was the very first time I used it. So since then, you know, I mean, once I put all this stuff on the internet for free, I mean, I've had people write me and tell me they've hit the lotto. I mean, this is, this is very, very common. I mean, and so, um, and again, it doesn't cost you anything to experiment with it. So this would be a case where it's handy to just sort of keep that with you. So it's nice to have the options to play with either the tone or the image. And again, this is all just, you know, experimentation, but can you imagine if there actually is some kind of meaning encoded in all the imagery around us that we can tap into and appreciate, just like you can take that sheet music that Beethoven left for us, and if you know how to properly interpret it, well, now you have music you can enjoy. Right. I mean, maybe you've tapped into sort of the matrix uh, of the universe, right? It's all about, you know, the, the tones and, and numbers and... And, uh, you know, there is a school of thought that, that when God created the universe, he spoke the universe into existence. It's all sound waves. You know, I, I'm glad that you make that point, and I'm happy to have this conversation with you because this is not an easy concept to talk about. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of learning how to talk about it because it makes sense to me but I know uh, this is not the, the way the average person thinks about the world. But then you bring up an example like that, and it's an excellent example. You're absolutely right because vibration and, and tone is something that we, you know, we can't really see it, but we can feel it, and we can see that it manipulates matter. And we're learning that so so well now that we're even weaponizing it. Uh, you know, there are more and more of these sort of energy-based weapons that are being produced that can just, you know, basically fry your brain by shooting some kind of a vibration at, at you. And so it's true that you, you've got to have a, a non-physical mold, so to speak, of some kind within which the physical matter can reform and reshape itself, something that holds it into place. And so these tones are already all around us, but we just can't usually perceive them. I guarantee you the tone made by a $100 bill, it's there. You just can't usually hear it. What I'm trying to do is find a way of, of playing it almost like that thing is a, is a record and you're putting it into the record player. Right, and then you've, you've essentially captured an image of what that sound looks like and then you can carry it around in your wallet like my wife and I do. The Mighty Aphrodite has, I think it's the Good Luck Sigil. I have one. Or it might be the Money Sigil. I can't remember. This was quite a while ago and we, we have it in our wallet and when we go and buy our lottery tickets. Now, we haven't won the big one, but uh, we always win either a free ticket or $2 here or $5 there, but mainly we get the free ticket. 
You know, what I find is that these things are interesting because they sort of have the ability, perhaps, to change your entire relationship with that thing that you're trying to tap into. So, you know, it's like gambling again, it's, it's an easy reference point, but it's, it's, I, I always tell people that it's not a very accurate one, however, because gambling is, is a game, you know, and there are certain rules and there's a certain mindset associated with that. But the idea of abundance is what you're really shooting for, you know, having opportunities appear, having a feeling that of, of wealth, uh, being in that, you know, that vibe, so to speak, that brings wealth to you in, in a more consistent manner. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, that day I, I had, you know, an extra 1700 bucks in my, in my wallet, which was great, you know, I mean, a little extra spending money before I got on the plane, but that's not going to change my life. And so what you really want to do is, is think about, um, this as a concept you can incorporate on a day to day basis into how, you know, you have this whole outlook, this general outlook of the world. And, um, and if anything, it at least makes you a little more aware of opportunities that you may not have, uh, have paid much attention to before. Joshua P. Warren, my guest, will come back and, uh, we'll talk about, uh, well, something called the Miraculous Prayer Board. On the other side, incidentally, the website, if you want to check out these sigils and hear what they sound like, you can go to freecharm.com, www.freecharm.com, and uh, you can click on the sigils page, sigils, and they're right there. Back with more in a moment, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We are back with Joshua P. Warren, and we're talking about cymatics. We're also, in a moment, going to talk about the Miraculous Prayer Board, but I just wanted to mention one more thing about parasymatics. One of the things that comes to mind is the power of intention. And I'm thinking about, uh, I think it was uh, the, the Japanese, was it Emoto? using uh, water and the power of intention on water and how you could change the crystalline structure of the water. That's the medium you use, right, to capture these sound waves and then you take an image of that from the water, correct? That's what I'm doing, yes, that's right. I'm wondering if you could infuse that water with like a good luck sigil and then, you know, if you're drinking that every day, it would be interesting to see what would happen. It's so funny you say that. And by the way, I, I want to point out, I have so much content. The easiest way to actually find these sigils is just to go to joshuapwarren.com. Uh, there's no period after the P. If you go to joshuapwarren.com and scroll down, you'll find these different sigils uh, for free. And you can click a link that will take you to the page with all the other sort of extra new updated stuff. Um and the $100 bill sigil in particular is on the Curiosity Shop page that I have. And it's interesting that you, again, say this, Richard. I'm not that surprised, though, because that was one of the things that also fascinated me. Uh, I was able to interview Masaru Emoto. Uh, of course, he's deceased now, but he, I had to use a Japanese translator, and he told me about you know his work that was featured in the movie What the Bleep Do We Know?, 
in which, of course, he was finding that there is some relationship between water and the power of intention and that it makes sense if you consider that a human being is primarily made of water and empty space. I mean, if if you squeezed all the water and empty space out of a person, you'd end up with a something that maybe is about the size of a pea, you know, that you could roll between your fingers. And so there's not much to us other than water and empty space. We live on a water-based planet. What is it that we're looking into when we look out at, at outer space? You know, we're trying to find water because we always say, Water is one of the fundamental components of life as we understand it. So it makes sense that whatever we are and whatever consciousness is has this intimate relationship with water. And so right now I am doing some experiments. I mean today, like literally today, when this interview uh, is is over, this is it's, I, I, it's so weird. I ordered a bunch of stuff. That uh, I don't want to go into it just yet, but but I am doing experiments, taking some combinations of very specific intention labels and water, like Masaru Emoto was doing, but combining it with Parasymatics 2.0 to see if I can get some really distinctive results. And and again, one of the reasons that this gets criticized is that it's not quite science because the human being is involved, but it also is a great representation of the challenges that we face trying to to discuss what reality is because reality is actually a human experience. You can call yourself a scientist and you can use some instrument that some other human built or that you built yourself, but it's still a human-based endeavor. And so that's where the art part of all this comes in. And so um, that, that I think that's why this is so interesting to people, but it's so complex. It blurs that distinction between the subjective and the objective and how far we can take it in either direction. Right, and just the name of it is so compelling. A Miraculous Prayer Board. What are you working on, Joshua? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, of course, for years have been studying this whole idea of manifestation. And for me, that's really what we're talking about when it comes to parasymatics. We're talking about the way that energy can be transformed from one form into another, and especially from what is usually invisible to us into something that's tangible and visible within this little narrow spectrum that we consider our reality. I mean, humans are very egocentric, and we only experience a sliver of what's around us, and yet we think that's all that exists. And so what we really are interested in is how that things change frequency from physical to non-physical and back and forth. And so uh, that's why it's, you know, wishing machines, radionics, magic, all these things, uh, I know that it's easy to sort of roll your eyes, but hey, if you believe that there may be visitors coming here from another planet, well, they obviously are breaking our physical laws in some way, then uh, in ways we're not aware of. And so they're, they, they know how to transform and transduce energies. If you believe that there are ghosts or spirits or angels or any of these spiritual things, you have to realize, well, if you can't see them standing in front of you, 
like I am, but you believe they're there, well, then that means that there is some kind of a gap between the frequency of physical and non-physical. So manifestation devices are there to help you breach that gap. And the Miraculous Prayer Board is a very, very simple tool that seems to do amazing things. And uh, this actually was invented by a friend of mine who is a psionics researcher named Tom Vrilock. He invented the original version of this, and then he gave me permission to create my version of this, which is the one that I have on my website at joshuapwarren.com. I'm holding one in my hands right now. And here's what it looks like. It is a six inch by six inch beautiful shiny black acrylic plate. And it has got a copper strip that goes through the middle. And it has some radiating, uh, copper strips. So it kind of looks a little bit like a solar panel. The whole thing is conductive. So if you put your one thumb on one side of this and one thumb on the other side of this, you're literally conducting energy from the right hand to the left hand or vice versa. So I have a video on my website where you can see this is a conductive plate. But as the energy goes through, it passes through the middle of an 18-karat gold hexagon. Now, a hexagon is one of these shapes that goes back into sacred geometry and magical practices for thousands of years. And then directly in the middle of the whole thing is a genuine quartz crystal. And so the energy, as you put your your hands on either side of this, is passing through the middle of this on this electrical circuit, but right in the heart of it, you have this gold hexagon and the quartz crystal, which is taking on some level that electrical charge from your body, that electrical flow, and turning it into a vibration. That's what quartz does naturally. It takes electricity and turns it into a vibration, or it takes a vibration and turns it into electricity. The idea is that you put your hands on either side of this, and then you pray. Now, you might say, wait a second. Why do I need this board to pray? Well, you see, the thing is, most people, or at least many people, they pray by putting their hands directly together. Now, why do we do that? You know, if you look back historically, why do we associate the praying hands with this process of manifestation? It's because we are closing a bio circuit by putting our hands together. Hmm. You're doing the same thing here, except now... You have this same exact flow going through this circuit. The idea is that when you are praying, you are actually trying to manifest. Humans have always had sort of low self-esteem, and we try to, you know, enslave each other and distract each other and, and mislead each other. And so we are not very good at thinking of ourselves as being creators. So in the past, we've always had to think, well, maybe there's a God out there somewhere who will do this for me. So we've always envisioned it that way. So we call that prayer, and that works for people. And it's a good visualization. Now, however this works, it's still a form of manifestation. And what we have found with our experiments is that when you use one of these boards, that your praying is much more effective. And I think all that means is 
uh, and I know some people may get offended because they say, oh man, you know, you're trying to take prayer and you're putting some kind of weird mystical spin on it, but prayer is mystical. Whether you realize it or not, it is mystical. It is the concept of your mind trying to communicate directly with the mind of whatever you think of as some deity. Sounds like and maybe this is just amplifying prayer. Amplifying. I think that's what it, that's what it's doing. I mean, that's the idea. This you are an electrical machine, and so the miraculous prayer board, even though it's a sensational name, is designed to magnify what you're doing when you pray. So again, it's one of these things, Richard. That's it's novel and it's weird and it's hard to sort of describe. But I I think that you you know you make a good point. It's there to magnify what you do if you already pray. All right, let's take another quick time out. We'll come back and circle back to the Miraculous Prayer Board and other matters, an uptick in paranormal activity, perhaps, we'll discuss with Joshua P. Warren right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. And we are back with Joshua P. Warren. JoshuaPWarren.com, the website. And we were talking about the Miraculous Prayer Board. Um, So how do you use it? The great thing about this is it's so compact and lightweight. I even take it with me when I travel. But on a daily basis, I keep this board next to my door. Uh, like the main door by the entrance to my, my house or my condo, wherever I happen to be. And before I walk out the door, I see it there and I pause and I just put my fingers on either side. My, I use my thumbs. I put my, I have a little video on my website that shows you the, the technique that I like to use. Put my thumb on either side. I close my eyes and for five to ten seconds, I pray and i actually when when i i wrote a small ebook it's it and it, it says the key to effective prayer and that comes with one of these and i use the technique in the ebook and i take five to ten seconds and basically you can envision what you want your day to look like in a very specific way or a very general way it's up to you uh, do, you know, you do whatever you would norm- normally do or, or, you know, the things that you would like to see happen. Um, and you also can, you know, you can send good vibes to other people. And then, you know, after five or ten seconds, I go, done, you know, and I'm in. And then I walk out the door. And then when I come back in, I will do the same, except this time it's always, you know, gratitude for sure because I made it back home. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, small miracles. Uh, now, do you have to pray out loud? I don't. Uh, I think it's fine, whatever works for you. I'm not sure if if it makes a big difference. I mean, I, I imagine it, it would make some difference to actually speak the words because that, that's a part of magical tradition. Um, in fact, I uh, – <laughs> you know, m- magical stuff is, is so weird because – 
we have thought of it as as a bunch of hooey for so long that now we're having to rethink it because we're learning more and more about how the universe is composed and quantum mechanics and we're starting to see these things that used to be unimaginable like you know a picture of a black hole i mean look for, for so long that was just some kind of unimaginable thing and yet you can have some scientist nowadays who can say well um this this is some extremely dense part of the universe that bends everything like a lens and not even light can escape. And that's how a scientist would explain it. But if you talk to somebody who lived thousands of years ago, they might say there is a gateway out there to another reality. You know, there is a gigantic pathway that what maybe that's what people talk about when they talk about the tunnel of light. And so we, we're, we're kind of re-envisioning what all of these sort of mystical things may be in a modern light. And so, for example, when it comes to magic, the idea was always that you can have, you know, you can have stuff in your head, but when you speak it out into the world, then it turns into a physical vibration. And that's why certain names were sacred, like the name of God. And, or you could conjure up some kind of uh, of an evil spirit, and often these spells that people would use were sort of nonsensical, like bibbity bobbity boo, you know that kind of stuff, abracadabra. And the reason is, number one, when you start speaking a bunch of nonsense, then it distracts the logical side of your brain, and it frees up the creative side of your brain. So you go into another brain state, which is the more creative manifesting uh, brain state. And then furthermore, um, sometimes well, all you're doing is communicating a, a pure vibration that is not limited to a specific cultural language. So it's not like that magic has to be in English or in German or in Spanish or in Chinese or whatever. You know, if you tap into something that's magical – it transcends language, and so you are expressing that vibration uh, in a very pure manner. And so these are all reasons that you know you could argue that maybe speaking it has more effectiveness, but I usually do it silently. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about this new footage you have of uh, ghostly phenomena and whether there might be an uptick in paranormal activity right now. We'll get to that in just a moment. Joshua P. Warren, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. It is time to redefine reality. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. So, what is this new footage of, uh, of ghostly phenomena you have, Joshua? Well, because that I am from North Carolina and I have a museum and laboratory and ghost tours and all that there, I get a lot of interesting footage 
from North Carolina in particular. It, it makes sense. People know I'm the guy to go to. Plus, the mountains there around Asheville, North Carolina, are the oldest mountains in North America, and there's a lot of very dramatic history. So I have two pieces of footage from western North Carolina that have been uh, captured just recently that I think are just amazing. And I've done everything I can to validate and verify these because I cannot stand hoaxes and fakes and exaggerations. You might think that I would be super open to this, but I'm not. If you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, I have clips posted. There's a link to my curiosity shop. Obviously, I advertise my curiosity shop by putting cool new clips and stuff there. If you scroll down, you'll see two clips there on the curiosity shop page. One of them is, uh, I'll tell you first about the one from an old building which just became a dueling piano bar five years ago. This building has had a reputation for being haunted in Asheville, North Carolina for, uh, Close to 100 years, they say that it really goes back to the Spanish influenza when dead bodies were being stored right next door. And the owners of this new dueling piano bar, they have been having all kinds of uh, experiences with shadow beings moving around, people singing, hearing footsteps. And so last January, just, you know, of this past January of 2019, at 8.30 in the morning, after everybody had gone, I mean, the whole staff had been gone for four hours, they have this video footage showing the back door of this place. This is one of these big, heavy back doors that can only be opened from the inside by pushing the, they call it a crash bar. This door swings open, the alarm goes off, and then the door swings back. ADT security actually said that that alarm was triggered, and you can hear the alarm very clearly on the footage, the alarm was triggered by that door, and that the only way that door could have been opened was from the inside, and it's really impressive to see, you know, physical evidence like that, but the next clip that you see there is the one that really just gets me excited. I have an online paranormal course, and it's a paranormal investigation course, and so one of my students is a guy named Daniel Hurst, and he's with a group called M&D Paranormal. And I, I just like to point that out because I love it when people who graduate from my course capture stuff like this. He was doing an investigation in North Carolina uh, at a place. This was a private residence, uh, so I won't give too much information about it. But uh, But basically, one of the big things was they would hear these heavy footsteps going down this hallway and so Daniel and his crew set up all of their equipment and they recorded this stunning piece of video footage which this is in night vision and right at the spot where these footsteps are heard you actually can see and this was I think like maybe two o'clock in the morning you actually see through the infrared camera the ghostly footsteps appear one after the other, walking along the floor. Oh, my. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I've been doing this kind of investigation for a good 25 years now. I've never seen, I mean, I, I've heard footsteps plenty of times, 
but I've never actually seen the footprints appear in succession. Boom, 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 like the, the, these are just two recent pieces of footage that I got that I uploaded. And I mean, I, I know Daniel very well. I've been in the, in the field with him. I've investigated with him. Uh, I mean, we are, we, he's, he's a friend of mine. Okay. So I know this guy. I trust this guy. I know the source. I have met the owners of this dueling piano bar on a number of occasions and you know I, I have individuals i know who are vouching for what you're seeing here and i so i believe you're looking at authentic proof of ghostly phenomena and this is some very fresh stuff and it seems to me i don't know if you would agree but it seems to me that there is an uptick in in activity paranormal activity because you mentioned the you know the closed circuit security cameras and there is just so much now on on YouTube, for example, even it makes it into the uh, the eyewitness news package in a lot of cities now, as closed circuit security camera footage of paranormal activity or ghostly apparitions and so forth. What's going on? Well, you know, I predicted a long time ago that this would happen, that we would start getting more and more evidence. Of, of paranormal phenomena and people would start accepting it because you can see right now we, we, we've been waiting for a while for this fad to end, you know, for people to get tired of this paranormal stuff. It's the opposite. There are more programs on TV, more radio shows and podcasts, more ghost tours and, and haunted places, more uh, sales at Halloween time. This is becoming more and more accepted because it's real and we have had to wait for there to be enough evidence. We have enough cameras out there now that this is not something that just paranormal investigators who are, you know, kooky people out in the field are dragging in. Everybody is getting to see now on their, their, their baby cams, their door cams, their security cams. They're getting to see that these things are real, that they are happening all around. And the more we see that and the more we therefore understand that it's real and believe that it's real well then the more we become aware we start you know paying a little more attention we become a little more interactive with the environment and i think that that also increases the activity but something else that we're doing at an unprecedented rate is that we are we're disturbing the earth's ionosphere and therefore it's electromagnetic and electrostatic realm even more than ever um i mean for decades now we've had projects like like harp that who, who knows how far they've gone with that just earlier this month there was a project in norway it was a nasa project called azure the auroral zone upwelling rocket experiment where they shot rockets up into the ionosphere and they dumped chemicals and who knows what things they broadcast to create these crazy luminous ghostly like you know and ufo like patterns in the sky over norway we are we're getting out there now and we are mixing up the electromagnetic and electrostatic variables of planet earth in a way that has never been done before and so if you combine our newfound awareness because of our cameras and our sensitive miniaturized technology with our ability to go into space and start actually stirring up this entire environment within which these things exist that is a combination 
for just an ever accelerating process of of paranormal manifestation. And so a lot of the stuff that sounds crazy today will not at all be crazy in five or ten years, just like some of the stuff that was crazy, you know, ten years ago is not such a big deal anymore. I don't think I've ever heard anyone explain uh, the phenomenon that way. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, we've just got about 30 seconds here. What what uh, new projects are you working on? I just opened up a brand new tour in Las Vegas. It's called Creepy Vegas. It's ghosts, UFOs, all the paranormal stuff here. So if you're going to be in the Vegas area anytime soon, I hope you'll visit creepyvegas.com. Come come on out, you know, visit us, see me. We'll show you one heck of a time. And uh, But in the meantime, I hope you'll just go to joshuapwarren.com, click around, try out some of the free sigils, and uh, you can always contact me through the website, and uh, I read every single message that comes in. Can't thank you enough for spending some time with me. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you, Richard. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Okay, that's it for us. My thanks to Owen Wolf and Ryan White. Back next week with 60 true police stories of divine guidance, miracles, and intuition with Detective Sergeant Ingrid Dean. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.